Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Lawrence Francis from the Interpreting Wine Podcast. Lawrence is based up in the UK and has spoken with a number of people around the globe in the wine industry, recording over 400 podcast episodes in the process. So let's go have a chat with Lawrence and get a little bit of perspective from him back into the New Zealand wine industry. Good. So hi, Lawrence. Hello. Hi, good to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming on the New Zealand Wine Podcast and being on the other side of the of Yeah, the for scary. A, for a change, <laughs> yeah. So obviously people would have heard about uh, you in the intro that I've just done. But uh, yeah, tell us about yourself, how you know how you got to be doing what you're doing right now. Where did it all start for you in the, in the wine world and in your interest in wine? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you the yeah the sort of shortish version, and of course, you know, ask me, and we can uh, we can expand into anything that you think might be interesting for the listeners. But yeah, good. Yeah, I guess first off, as you can hear, I'm I'm from London, and uh, yeah, we're we're um, speaking. I'm in London. You're in uh, over there in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, my journey in wine, I, I think you know, and even thinking about where I am now, it, it was very much uh, you know an unplanned. Journey. I, I would say that even 10, 15 years ago, I, I didn't really have much interest in wine. And even beyond that, I was actually, I would say I was quite scared. I think I was one of those people who'd probably, you know, met the the snobby sommelier um, somewhere along the line or, or, or met that, you know, the show off kind of person who just, you know, likes to to kind of put themselves up by by putting other people down and kind of uses wine as the the way to do that. But um, kind so of the, yeah, the opposite of making it accessible for people. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to that part of the story later on. But I think, you know, one of the, the, the absolutely most amazing things really is that winemakers are not like that at all. They're the complete opposite. So it's almost, it feels like the further you get away from the winemaker, it's almost the more snobbery and the more layers sort of go up. And I don't think I'm necessarily alone in in, in having that experience. But I would say really then the thing that really changed that and moved the dial on that was discovering a YouTube channel from uh, an importer, actually, an importer over in uh, the Pacific Northwest of America. So I think it was over sort of Seattle way. And yeah, quite randomly, the the YouTube algorithm served that up to me in about sort of 2015, 16, I think it was. And what it did, and I think why it served it up was because I'm and still am a massive fan of Spain. I speak Spanish. I travel there when I can. And I think YouTube realized I've been looking at Spanish content and these guys were specialists in importing Spanish wine. And I thought, oh, okay, Spanish wine, you know, uh, I'll, I'll take a look. And what they did better than just about anyone else that I've ever come across was in these sort of 10 minute vignettes, really looking at different producers, they actually spent only around a minute or, or, or two really of that 10 minutes talking about the wine, talking about the production. What they actually did before that, they orientated us to, you know, where this region is, what it's like. They'd actually uh, usually visited. So they even sort of cut in some photographs of their time there. You know, they'd, they'd go into this really intimate detail, you know, like, like talking about the, the size of the hands of the wine producer when they, when they shook them or, you know, how strongly they'd sort of hug them or, they were touring around these vineyards and a, and a butterfly would sort of land on the, 
winemaker's um, shoulder and, and, you know, quite, yeah, sort of poetic uh, detail. But I think, and I still think, you know, to this day, I think it's absolutely the right place to start. So I then sort of binge watched all of those and yeah, kind of fast forward a little bit. I, I found myself living in Spain, you know, a couple of years later, you know, as I say, huge uh, Spain fan and, uh, you know, went there really to, to improve my Spanish and wanted to stay there, you know, was, was, was really trying to stay in Madrid, which is a, a fabulous city and, uh, you know, really the kind of the beating heart of Spain. And, uh, I had an opportunity to, to get a, a job with a, with a company doing their social media. And, uh, it was a little bit of a, 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 um, yeah, a departure from what I'd been doing and, you know, my kind of, you know, longer term career background, which is actually as a psychologist. And, so I thought, you know, well, I need something, I need a, an X factor here and I need something a little bit different to make me stand out from maybe more qualified um, applicants for this job. So, so I knew podcasting was growing. I had the, the passion for wine, as I said, and storytelling in wine that, that had been, that had been sparked. And I love Spain. So I thought I'll put all these things together. I'll go to that job interview and I'll be the only one that has a podcast or has a wine podcast, even better. Um, all about Spain, all about Spanish producers. And yeah, again, long story short, uh, I never got the job, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it was probably the best decision I ever made in my life because that was interpreting wine. That was the birth of, of interpreting wine podcast. And, uh, you know, that was where I sort of had to get the Instagram handle and get the Facebook handle, you know, and sort of do it in a proper way because I thought I was going to be tested on this at the interview. So when but what when it actually did set me up. Mm. When, when are we talking? When when was this? So that then, yeah. So that we then jumped to August 2017 was when I recorded the first episodes. Right. And, that okay. was and it was specifically insane. sort of as part of this, um, you know, job interview to, to put forward the put forward something different and why why podcast it was just because that that was you know sort of happening and growing and yeah cool nice yeah absolutely and i just thought yeah let me get let me have the x factor you know kind of everyone everyone's got a an instagram account everyone's got a facebook account yeah. I, you know i'll be i'll be the one person that's got a podcast and uh, that will make me stand out, but yeah, obviously yeah. It didn't make me stand out enough. <laughs> <laughs> it probably did. It probably did. They're probably still regretting that decision. <laughs> exactly. I, I keep talking about it on podcasts just in case they, uh, <laughs> they ever tune in again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. And so, yeah. And so, what, what, what was next after that then? You, you just well, yeah. did the podcast and liked it, like doing it, like the process, like the outcome? Yeah. The, no, really, really good question. I think the, the, the really, um, the big step then was moving back to London because I, I, I'd found an interest in wine when I was actually living in another city in London. So, so, you know, between 2015 and 17, I was living in Southampton, south coast of London, of England. It's 2017, most of that I was living in Madrid. And then 18, I came back to London. And uh, what then happened was that I saw really everything with a completely new set of eyes because, you know, I, I had I had this experience and I had this, um, you know, kind of fairly newfound passion. So, you know, people kind of talk about oh, London is the center of the wine world and, you know, it's such an influential market and it's such a, uh, an incredible market. 
I didn't know any of that, but it was really 18, 2018, January, 2018. Then, you know, I guess the, the, the wool started coming off my eyes and I started seeing all of that. And, um, I, I genuinely thought that the podcast would just be, uh, you know, a, a side thing, a, a passion project. I'd go every, you know, a few months, go back to Spain, do a few interviews. But then I, I really, I saw something. I, I saw a, an opportunity. I started to make the connection between, okay, you know, started with New Zealand, really. You know, I saw, look, you've got, the, you've got these producers who are on the other side of the world, selling all this wine over here in, in England and in London. And, you know, those stories that had hooked me, you know, directly from the winemaker, how, how do we ever hear those in London? And the fact of the matter is, it's you either get the producer over or, or we travel over there. And, and it just felt as though there might be a, a way to kind of, yeah, amplify that and help that conversation using the medium of, 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 of podcasting. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I wasn't able to articulate it, I would say, quite as well as that at the time. Um, but, you know, when you just have an itch and you just know there's something there. Yeah. So I just started to scratch the itch. Just and, started to uh, actually, follow it. Yeah. And in, and, in, and in 2018, I actually, I produced more than 200 episodes. So I, th- that was, you know, crazy, of course. And I'll probably never do that again. But if you like, that, that was a, such an incredible learning experience. And it meant yeah. that I got the content out there and really started getting noticed. Yeah. And so, so, would, so did you, with your interest in wine itself, did that really have a big growth spurt in Spain, like in, and, and exposure to Spanish wine? Was that sort of like the real, when you've really started getting into it and, you know, drinking lots of different varietals and learning about it and that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. And, um, you know, I, 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 again, directly through the podcast and reaching out to Spanish producers, a lot of them kind of, I guess didn't know, really know what a podcast was and like, who's this guy contacting me? Um, but uh, you know, a, a few, a few people were very open to it, obviously to, to, to get the, the content out there. And there was one particular producer, you know, I'll, I'll always be very grateful to. It's, um, Uva de Vida and they going to see them. They then put me in touch and they were, they were kind of close to Toledo to the south of Madrid. They then put me in touch with a friend of theirs, an associate of theirs in Madrid, Rosetta, who, who basically kind of took me under her wing, if you like. And she would, she would always be, yeah, sharing her wine with me. And she made wine in Galicia. So, you know, got to try that. And, you know, was just, you know, one of those really special people that just, you know, knew and I think could see my enthusiasm and wanted to feed that, you know, wanted to kind of, yeah, tell the stories and, get the wine into the glass and, and was just, you know, never, never sort of, um, yeah, thought that any question I had was silly, you know, just always encouraged me to, uh, to ask questions and be curious. And, um, yeah, that, that very much was a huge leap up, but I would say actually then that trajectory just continued in London because it was then a case of there are so many tastings here, you know, day in, day out, um, literally three, four, five tastings a day. I can be going, I can be virtually traveling to Austria in the morning and uh, South Africa in the afternoon that, you know, there, there are all of these ways to travel. And I think it was, you know, it's still that theme of the stories and the, the, the actual, you know, speaking with the winemaker and, and getting their story out there led to me then turning up to a lot of these tastings with a microphone and, and starting to actually speak to them at the table. And something I do a little bit less of now, but 
you know, a fantastic learning experience, but then it was providing value to them because we could then amplify and broadcast that, that conversation to an interested audience who, yeah, either loves the wines and couldn't get to the tasting or an international audience, you know, where um, maybe those wines are, are, are sold, but the winemaker doesn't actually get the chance to visit. Right. Yeah. Okay. So just, um, 200, 200 episodes in your, in your first year. <laughs> and then you just keep refining it and, and growing from there, taking your learnings and, you know, tweaking what you did and where you went and who you, who, yeah. and how you spoke to people. And yeah, it's, 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 it's really interesting to think back now because I think then, then you realize and I realize, um, you know, what, what that then did that, that kind of just diving in and, and doing everything you know, to the best of my ability. And, and as I say, just, just really being, yeah, prolific or almost in the output. It then becomes, you know, ch- luck. What is it? Luck and preparation kind of, you know, meet together. And, and, and so I'll tell you, you know, from, from one of the very first in, uh, interviews that I did over in Bergenland, Austria, you know, I made a, I made a very good friend over there. And I've actually I've just seen him this weekend at Raw. His name's Martin Lichtenberger and makes, fantastic wines with his wife in, in Bergenland and she's Spanish and that's how I kind of got to find out about them but we we were talking and uh yeah Martin suggested to me he said look you know why why don't you reach out to the Austrian wine marketing board they're having an event called Via Vinum which is like their big wine fair you know where they get all the producers together and they invite all the international um tra- uh, press and, and and buyers over and he said reach out to them you know they might be up for supporting you coming over there Mm -hmm. and you know a couple of calls and a meeting in london and lo and behold you know by may 2018 sort of only about four months into this um i was on a plane over to austria and i was you know touring around and at that fair again talking to producers producing podcasts and you know amazingly at that fair i met um i met the, the 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 chap who runs wines of new york you know and i'll be honest at the time i didn't even know they made wines in new york <laughs> and uh sam filler you know he was there at the at the table kind of you know pouring the pouring the, the new york wine and we spoke and again some meetings and some calls and by actually july the 4th so i'll always remember that i was on a plane to new york you know going there to cover what was happening and, and, and to again broadcast and to interview the, you know, the people on the ground. Mm. And I think the, the takeaway really from that for me was, you know, there, this, there's really something here because these brands, again, what I'd kind of twigged with New Zealand, I think it, it, it appeared, it appeared and it, and it applied to just about every other brand in the world. You know, they have a story. They have a unique uh, point of differentiation, but in a lot of circumstances, they're living very far away from the people who are buying the wines, people who are ultimately going to sell on the wines. So there needs to be a way to kind of bridge that gap. And I, and I you know, genuinely, you know, still think to this day that, you know, podcasting is, you know, is one of the very best ways to, to do just that. Create that, create that connection, right? When you're sitting down with a glass and a bottle and as you totally. see half a world away, you can get that's that. it you can listen distance to just falls away yeah yeah listen to 100 percent. who made it bit of the history the background and really deepen that experience that you're having with that that great liquid in the, in the bottle 100 percent. 
And so now you're, you're continuing on down that vein. I mean, you were, we were just talking earlier, you've, you've been to a pretty large conference, just got back from a pretty large wine conference in uh, whereabouts was that? Yeah, so I, I'm, um, yeah, just back from Provine 2022. Um, they've not had one since 2019. It is, it is the world's largest wine fair. And, and I, and I was sort of, you know, painting the picture. I'm sure, you know, many of your, you know, winemaker listeners will, will have been there before because New Zealand generally has a very, um, you know, strong presence. Less of a presence this year. I think because of the because of the timing, it's usually in March, but it, but this year it got pushed back to May because again there were there were sort of yeah cases of COVID in 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 March this year. But it's literally you know the most phenomenal wine fair ever, and 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 you literally have the world of wine, and you get a you get a little map, and you know you you get to then see which hall is is which countries. They kind of you know keep mostly keep the, the the nations together so you can literally you know, go to hall five and all the austrian winemakers are there you know go to uh, halls 13 and 14 and the spanish you know they kind of they're, they're too big for one hall so they kind of spill them over into into two halls and i think hall nine which i probably didn't even get to i think that's that's italy and you literally have all of these different producers and then as you as you walk in you just have all of the wines there and and really that like the decision makers on the marketing, on the sales sides, they're all there. And then you have the trade people moving around and uh, setting appointments. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I really like it. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's got this, you know, quite a traditional, I guess, yeah, German and organized, uh, vibe to it as well. So you, you tend to set up meetings with people and, uh, make appointments. But, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I think as well, it, it just goes to show it's a wine fair. You know, we're all interested in wine. We're all interested. Um, I think in, yeah, the, the enjoyment of wine as well. So I think that's never sort of far away from the, from the conversation. I think it, it does strike a really good balance between business and, uh, yeah, just love and, and, and sort of passion for wine. Nice. And we, sorry, where did you say it was held this year? So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a main pro vine that they, they have a few around the world, but this particular one is in Dusseldorf. Okay. So okay. it's in, it's in Dusseldorf. Every March, normally, sort of end of March. Yep. So, yeah, I'm sure I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet some of your listeners or meet you, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, over there, one of these years. It's it's phenomenal, phenomenal like fair. A, a great event to plan a Europe trip around. Any idea of the numbers that attend? I mean, it sounds huge. Yeah, the I, I saw something come through the other day i top of my head so uh, yeah don't quote me on this i think what i saw was 18000 exhibitors and 30000 attendees i'm not sure if that was total or if that was for one day right but big. a large the large numbers number are of that order it, they're pretty significant too big to try and get around everyone <laughs> totally totally and and you know the 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 interesting thing for me really and uh you know i really i think you know why why i'm so excited to be to be talking now just after that was was you know i i now work you know full time in, in on interpreting wine and 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 now uh you know have the 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 task of you know talking with and influencing marketing managers at, at wine regions and, um, you know, heads of marketing at, at wine brands and, you know, trying to get across to them, you know, where I think I can really, um, add value. And if, if, if it's okay, I'd, I'd like to just, you know, share three big 
points that 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 kept coming up when I was when I was talking to these guys, and I think it would it would actually be really helpful for for, for your audience. So I, it was basically, you know, you have to I guess kind of talk about the problems, you know, talk about what what is going wrong because you know you kind of need a problem to to solve. You know, if, if everything is going great with wine marketing and they're doing everything, you know, uh, to the to the peak, then you know I'll go and find another another industry to work in. And, and I think, you know, the, the three problems that I, I really see and that, that got a lot of traction with the people I was meeting with was, first off, is the, the lang- a lot of the language that's used in wine marketing is, is like way too technical and it, and it focuses on the facts. It focuses on the fermentation vessel. It focuses on the, the age of uh, maturation and, you know, well, production details and, and it, and it starts there. And I know that's all important, but again, back to what hooked me on, on, on wine, you know, it was this, it was the stories. And, and I think that the problem I, I, I see a lot is that those production details, that deep dive into, into how the wine is made, it, it's really only, I think, will have the resonance with the end, uh, user. If they've got the wine in front of them and, and they're tasting it and they can sort of, you know, they can be sensory and go smelling those details. But somebody who's on the other side of the world and, and, and who may be, you know, looking for, um, yeah, new wine or, um, you know, is, is just wanting to learn more and, and maybe a student, you know, hook them with the stories first, you know, let, bring them closer to the people. I think, you know, people and stories before facts. And actually, if, if, by kind of broadcasting more about the stories first, then you give yourself way more permission kind of to go geeky, you know, and to bring in, bring in those production facts and people will listen. But, but I, I think that's the right way around stories and facts rather than what I see a lot of times is just facts and facts. And then, yeah. and, then yeah. it, and then it becomes, you know, super, super sort of analytical and, and, and super left brained, you know, and, and not kind of so interesting. Well, it's that emotional connection, isn't it? Because I think for most people, when they drink wine, it's an emotional experience. You're enjoying something. You're having an enjoyment of, of, and you're comparing it to things, and it's immediately giving you uh, a sense of place and a and a creating a yeah. memory. If it's uh, you know an occasion, it doesn't need to be a big occasion, but if you're sharing a meal with friends and you're having mm, a nice mm, wine mm. and it's going well with the food and you're enjoying the conversation, it's that's all part of that creating a memory, isn't it? Yeah, one 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 hundred percent. One, I mean, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't sort of ag- uh, agree more. Mm. Um, and also, I mean, I just I'll bring up the, the the second point as well, which is that a lot of times content that's being put out there and information being put out there is not being released in channels where the most engaged audiences are. And, uh, you know, I think it, it might get a bit meta here, but, you know, I've got, you know, really r- right here, you know, some, some interesting stats around podcasting. So, you know, I, I think as well, this will be helpful to the audience because maybe New Zealand isn't potentially as far along the path in terms of podcasting as, as markets and, and countries like the US and the UK are. So, I mean, in the US, 80 million people listen weekly to podcasts, you know, which is a, which is a, a huge chunk of the, of the population. Here in the UK, it's around 16 million. And there's even, you know, I think more interestingly, when you dig down a little bit more and you see like how people listen, you know, the, I think there's this, this sort of, 
this stereotype a little bit that the people they only multitask when when you know they they only listen when they're doing something else but actually they've shown that around a third of people don't do anything else when they're listening to the podcast so they'll just be whatever sitting on the couch or you know sitting out in the garden and listen and that is their activity you know rather than oh i'm going to go and read a book for half an hour i'm going to go and listen to this podcast and it's super super intentional mm. added to that around 92% of people, they listen when they're alone. So that means, you know, they, they don't have those distractions around them that you might get in those other channels. And yeah, I, I, I see this carrying over even to a, a, a trade audience, you know, so, so I predominantly have a UK and US based trade audience. Um, and I've, you know, I've had some phenomenal guests on. That's another thing that being in London gives me. So, you know, I've had, you know, lots of, different masters of wine master sommeliers obviously the the producers as well mm. but what that means is then the audience is tends to be pretty yeah high, high level as well in terms of you know who who they are and if you like what their aspirations are in the industry because they you know they're they're taking the time to to listen in and tune into those um the, those experiences yeah um and yeah I, I, last time i checked 61 percent of people who start an episode on interpreting wine, they listen to the whole thing. So that's even if it's an hour, you know, I've got an hour and a half long episodes and uh, people will listen to 50 minutes, an hour on average of that. So, you know, you might lose some people after 15 minutes or so, say, but a big majority of people, they'll listen to an hour and a half on that, on that person and on that region, which is you know, I, I think it's pretty much unheard of in any other content medium. Like right now, it's it's so noisy, it's so difficult to get people to concentrate and tune in. Yeah, but it is happening, and it's happening on audio. Yeah, nice, nice. And you sort of touched on where you're based now, and in, in in London, and the, the types of people that you're you're speaking with. Um, yeah, but yeah. At, a, at a personal level, what what's what's the view back? You, you'd also touched on earlier that you'd. So yeah, to a lot of New Zealand wine uh, makers and people in the wine industry yeah. from New Zealand early on in your in your podcasting um, endeavours. What what's your view now? Like, is a take of New Zealand wine, New Zealand wine, and its perception in London or yeah. even in, in Europe? Just you know, given you've just been at a at a conference, and also you know for you personally what what do you enjoy are you seeing anything recently that's come out in New Zealand that's piqued your interest or you know been a little sparkle there yeah sure sure and uh, I, I think this the, you you've set me up perfectly because you know like the the third big point that I that I was talking a lot about in Provine was that regions are not really considering how to maximize the impact of in-person fairs tastings and events and I've got the perfect example of that from New Zealand. So, so back in uh, January 2019, they had uh, the New Zealand wine growers, you know, they, they had their annual tasting in London. And in conversation with Chris Stroud over, over here, who's, who's, who's based in London and looks after Europe, I was there on, on the day and, and I was recording two masterclasses from Rebecca Gibb. I was recording another masterclass that featured Kevin Judd and, and Ronan Saburn. Um, and then also having one-to-one interviews with, with producers there. And, and, um, again, this, this felt like just a sensible thing to do. You know, you, you're taking all of this time and money to bring people over. 
you know, capture them, get them to sit down on the day. You know, what if somebody couldn't, couldn't attend on the day? What if, what if they had a clash or what if, you know, something happened at home and they couldn't turn up? You know, you literally, you only have one day to get them there. And then if they don't turn up, then, you know, you're like, you're like sort of, you know, ships in the night passing. You never, you never, you never get to, to, to impact them. So that I think was, yeah, really, yeah, deepened my connection with, with New Zealand wine was being there on that day in particular. And, but more than anything, as ever, you know, I'm, a, I'm a stuck record. For me, it's all about the producers, you know, to, to, to be able to, as I say, sit down with a Kevin Judd and, um, you know, taste his wines, hear his story and, and, and just, you know, talk, talk to him one to one. I remember trying with him, uh, a, a Chardonnay that, 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 that he'd made, which, um, obviously still, still sort of stays with me to this day. And, and I think that, you know, so many of the other producers that, that I tasted on the day and, and, and since, you know, that I was just, just naming a few, the ones that I've, I've, uh, I've sort of done podcasts with. I've done, I've done quite a bit with, with Saracen Estates. Um, been to tastings of theirs and, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've always have a, a special place for the Chardonnays. I would say that, that, that I've tried. They, they, they do tend to, yeah, have this, um, sort of savory mineral. Yeah. Maybe for some people a little bit more of a challenging characteristic, but, you know, I like to say it's, you know, more of a, a gastronomic, um, nature to it. So, it, you know, it's probably not, yeah, as they, as they call over in America, you know, a porch pounder, you know, where you, where you just sort of, uh, you know, hammer it back without really thinking or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or sm- smashable is another one, which, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're big fans of saying over here. And, you know, and they're, and they're wines to, you know, to maybe think a bit more about and, and maybe that, you know, there's a bit more age on them or there's, there's, there's sort of, yeah, different aging vessels or fermentation vessels that's being used. And I think that, you know, these are, these are very interesting. Um, you know, I think first and foremost for, for the wine geeks and the, and the people who are in the wine trade, you know, who want something a little bit deeper and, and more profound. But, you know, I think also, you know, can fit in with the, with the wider NZ story because, you know, there are, there are, if you like, ways and, and pathways for people to follow, you know, who maybe discover their, their love of New Zealand wine through Sauvignon Blanc. And you have, you know, different styles of Sauvignon Blanc now and, you know, taking them on that, on that sort of journey with that grape. And, and, you know, maybe they'd like to go off into a, into a Chardonnay or, or a Pinot Noir or, um, you know, the, these other fabulous, you know, really high end and, and I think, yeah, super high quality wines that are, that are being made over there. And, you know, I've, I've always been really impressed when I've, when I've looked around, um, those different producers and seen, you know, what else is sort of happening over there. Right. Okay. Okay. So in, in, in anything sort of maybe a little bit, um, different that you've seen come out or any, any sort of observances around a, a mm-hmm. sort of style of New Zealand, varietal style, you know, compared to others that you've seen out of other places, you know, in, in anything that's particularly sort of just gone, oh, that's interesting about how that's represented out of New Zealand. You know, maybe it's how, you know, represent how, how Pinots come out of Central or, uh, I don't know, something else that you've sort of gone, oh, okay, that's interesting compared to different terrars and, and how it's coming out from other places. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I, again, you know, I think, I think this is, this is, um, you know, I, I like to sort of, yeah, eat my own dog food as it were, you know, I think, I think the, I think the, 
the, the key thing is, is again, it's, I think it's always, it's always story. You know, it's, it's always, it's always getting people to, to meet the, the producer. And, and I think that, you know, your, your winemakers, you know, they're the ones that I've, I've met and, and I've spoken to, you know, they're, they're absolutely fabulous storytellers. And, and, and I think that there's really, if you like that, like there's, a, I really feel as though there's an infinite, number of different ways that that people can can kind of go so for example you know i've i've had um opportunity to to speak with dave sutton a winemaker at Tecano estate and you know i'm sure you know he's you know he's a fabulously you know engaging super articulate super knowledgeable guy and i just feel as though yeah when he tells you okay we're making a uh you know blanc de noir um from Pinot Noir, you know, like that is exciting. And, you know, there's lots of Blanc de Noirs being made all over the world. You know, I'm sure you can get a Romanian Blanc de Noir for, for less money and you can get a Bulgarian one or a, a French, of course. And, and, you know, you, you, it, it, for me, of course, you know, the, the juice is, is, is super important. But uh, again, I just, I just feel as though it's the amplification of the story that's really gonna, A, let people remember that Tecano and, and Central Otago, you know, they do make this, this fabulous Blanc de Noir. But then I think even looking beyond that, then it's like, okay, when they go to a restaurant or they see the price on a, on a web shop and they realize that it's double the price maybe of, of where something else is coming from or, or, or sometimes even more, they actually understand. And because they kind of, if you like, know, trust and like, what Dave has said and, 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 and they, they feel as though they know, um, what he's doing and, and they know what Ticano is doing. And, and they're like, okay, no, I want to, I want to try that wine because I mm. feel like that's, that's giving me something different. I, I think that's, that's the place to start really. I think, I think that, that's, that's, um, you know, absolutely where, where to go. Yeah. yeah I was part of the, part of the mm. journey and, and understanding the integrity of the, of, of the producer, the winemakers, you know, everyone's journey and, and, the, and the commitment and effort they put into what they're producing, I suppose. This is it. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the absolutely easy way to see that is, you know, you've got, you go to a shop, you've got a choice of two wines to buy. One is $5 or $10 more expensive than the other. The more expensive wine is made by your good mate. And the other one is made by somebody who is, you know, renowned and meant to be, you know, a, a sort of a, you know, a sort of a, a cult winemaker or, or a decent winemaker or, or whatever. I, th- I think really a lot of people, they're going to, they're going to get the one by their mate, you know, made by their mate because they've got, they've kind of got a connection there. They've got, you know, more kind of skin in the game and, and they, they want to support them. They want them to do well. And I think ultimately, you know, where, where media and, you know, where the, the wine business, kind of comes back to, I think is, you know, it's keeping people who want to be doing it, keeping them on the land, you know, keeping them making the wine and, and, uh, you know, doing the things that, that they love. And I think that, you know, in, 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 um, you know, deep down, a lot of people wish that they could be doing as well, you know, be, being out there, but, you know, it's probably, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of hard, uh, hard yakka. So <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, it's, it, you know, the reality is for everybody, but yeah, I think I've seen enough it of it make- to know that, um, I don't particularly want to be doing that, but I certainly, <laughs> I certainly enjoy what they what uh, they produce. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that I think that's really the way the way to stand out. I mean, but but having yeah. you know been to the um, you know the, the, this year's New Zealand tasting not that long ago, yeah, there are also yeah some some fabulous examples. You know, I had a really nice gamay from uh, Esk Valley, which was which was mm-hmm. really cool. And again, yeah, super super drinkable. I think I think you know I can talk to. The UK, uh, you know, especially through through the wine trade and the sommelier community here, you know, we love Gamay. We think it's a it's a you know fabulous, fun, um, and you know can be kind of quite serious. But again, I think it's one of those really versatile grapes that you know you can give to somebody who's not really into wine, but it will also yeah kind of satisfy the satisfy the wine geeks and the people that you know are looking for something maybe a little bit a little bit different. Yeah. Um, also well, happens across. That you mentioned, mm, um, Gamay mm. out of Hawke's Bay because I've, I've just recently spoken with Lauren Swift from Swift Wines and okay. she, produces a, she produces a Gamay from, from Hawke's Bay and um, does a good job. And, it, you know, it's, for New Zealand, it's still not something that's, uh, you know, widely produced. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and, and interestingly, you know, in, in France, you know, Beaujolais, Kind of you know buttresses or you know right next to to Burgundy and um, you know I, I, when I've spoken to you know very experienced Beaujolais producers you know they they, they talk about wines you know aging Gamay and and it actually they have a, a term in French that says il pinot which means that actually they aging the Gamay and then it actually starts to take on characteristics of, of Pinot. So I don't know, you know, it, it, it seems to make sense, you know, why not have some, some Gamay in, in central Otago or why not have some Gamay where, you know, traditionally, you know, Pinot is growing and, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be everything and, you know, it's, it's not going to necessarily take over, but well, I, I think it, it will spark interest. Yeah. I've certainly heard talk to with uh, the change in climate that, some of the varietals mm. where they grow well or where yeah. they haven't grown before, it could be opportunities there, you know, to, to um, being flexible with, with what we're going to be, <laughs> what we're going to be given. And it could produce some, some interesting, some interesting options, right? Yeah. Hey, um, yeah. Hey, that's been uh, really, that's been really good. Thanks, Lawrence. And um, as you know, we finish on the story, uh, story, we finish on the question. If you could have any glass of wine with anyone, uh, at any time, who and where and what and when would that be for you? And I think, given the peop- number of people that you met, <laughs> that could be quite a quite a tricky one. I mean, it doesn't have to be. Maybe this is just one of them. <laughs> not, not, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 greedy answer is is uh, yeah, uh, and announced. And and developed as an idea right here, right now. Yeah, is to have the uh, in, interpreting wine fest, and uh, yeah, the, the the interpreting wine, um, yeah, free pour, and uh, yeah, have all of the producers, uh, uh, you know, somewhere in the world, and you know, have them all it lined up in episode order, and, and, yeah. and be, you know, be, yeah. being able to go around and uh, <laughs> and uh, meet with them and, and and kind of see them again. Yeah. Um. But no, you know, I I think what I'd like to do is yeah, just just talk to uh yeah a region that i visited and and that i absolutely you know fell in love with and i think it you know does have a lot of connections with new zealand which is which is actually the willamette valley in uh in oregon mm-hmm. where they they make yeah some of the sort of yeah classically uh yeah best um pinot anywhere in the world and and you know i i i think back to that trip a lot 
um, mainly because of the people that I met when I was there. Um, but secondly, because it was actually in January 2020. Um, so, you know, we were, we were like right on the, on the kind of cusp of COVID and we didn't know it. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to go back to, 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 to visit, a, you know, a couple of the, the, the producers that I met over there. I mean, you know, all of them are, 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 are fantastic. I mean, uh, if anyone wants to sort of tune in, that it starts at episode 380 on the, on the podcast and, um, you can sort of, yeah, go and go and dip in. But yeah, I, I always sort of, yeah, refer back to an episode I did with Claire Carver, um, of a big table farm. And, uh, when we met, uh, again, back in 2020, she was making wine with her husband, but up until that point, they'd been sourcing fruit from all around uh, the state and, and all around the all around the region, but they had a property and they've been making advances towards planting it. And uh, from what I can tell on on Instagram uh, from the photos, they have a, a you know a nice big space, and I think you know as the name suggests, they have a big table. So uh, I think it would be amazing to, you know, sit, go back and actually sit at the, at the big table. Yeah. Um, sit around with them and, you know, they've got this kind of polyculture. They've got pigs and, uh, you know, they grow all their own veggies and, you know, all of these things. It just, it just looks like the most amazing place to, to catch up, to, you know, try their wines and, and hopefully get a a few of their winemaker friends to come over and bring us some of, some of their, uh, new wines as well and just, yeah, meet, meet, meet the people again that I that I met when I was over there in that yeah whirlwind week of a visit back in January 2020. Very good well that sounds like a, a great memory I think you've you've stretched the answer a, a little bit you've probably got snuck in quite a bit more <laughs> one glass of <laughs> yeah you, you, you opened the door to me and I and I <laughs> yeah. went right through it yeah before you we'll could allow, close it. <laughs> we'll allow you that Lawrence hey thank you very much thanks for thanks for being on the podcast I really appreciate you um taking the time and and sharing all that with us and uh yeah, well, um, obviously I have the have the details at the end of this episode for people that want to find out more and, and listen along. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm on yeah all of the all of the, the the podcast platforms. If anyone wants to to hear, I've got a, a special link at interpretingwine.com/slash/listen, mm-hmm. which just will always serve you up the the latest episode. But yeah, the, the, there's so much. I think yeah, great, great content from all around the world, and you know, some some you know, phenomenal Kiwi content as well, which I think would be would be great for people to yeah hear. hear I guess yeah, people they they know and, and work with, but yeah, talking in a in a different way. So yeah, I, I'd love to have more more listeners from from yeah from down there. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, that's great. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Adios. <laughs> exactly adios ciao ciao (laughs) we've been speaking with Lawrence Francis from Interpreting Wine you can find him online at interpretingwine.com link is in the description for the podcast be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts and some of the other podcasts on New Zealand topics at podcast.nz this episode is brought to you by Bazibu.com. Let's get your business started. You can follow New Zealand Wine Podcast on Instagram. And we look forward to your company again very shortly. Hey, Kona mai. Bye for now.